Welcome, flower friends, to the Local Flowers Podcast, where you'll fall in love with local seasonal blooms even more by hearing the stories from flower farmers new and experienced. I'm your host, Rochelle, from Freckled Bloom Flower Farm. Welcome. What's blooming, my friends? On this week's Flower Farmer Chat, I've got Skylar from Sky Gardens in Texas. It was so great to talk with Skylar, you know, being a farmer's daughter myself and coming from a family that's been farming for multiple generations. I absolutely loved her story and especially loved her story that she's stirring the pot and she is adding flowers to the family's farm and I just cannot wait for you to hear our conversation. Welcome back, friends, to to the Local Flowers podcast and our weekly flower farmer chat. I have the privilege of introducing you to Skylar from Sky Gardens there in Texas. Welcome, Skylar, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Absolutely. I'm excited to hear about what it's like to grow flowers in Texas. And I know that a lot of us assume it's hot and crazy, <laughs> but you are here to tell us wrong. <laughs> it's funny. Literally, I, I would intern in Washington in DC and places and they would always you know be like ah you're cold of course you're cold put on your jacket Texas and I'm like you don't even understand it's colder at home right now than it is here in Washington DC so you need to calm down we have cold spells too whether anybody else in the world knows or not but we're in it we're in the northern part of Texas north west Texas is where we are and so we're not down on the coast where it is hot all the time at all but there are definitely those areas of Texas too for sure well with that said how about you tell us how you got into the world of flowers and tell us a little bit more about your farming journey and sky gardens Getting into flowers is kind of a whole whirlwind of, I guess, experiences throughout my life. And so just to set the stage, I've grown up on a farm in West Texas. Cotton is the most farmed thing at all. Um, we grow some corn, grow some peanuts, grow some things like that, but mainly cotton. And so my family has been farming cotton specifically in this area since the 50s. So 1950s. And my grandparents moved here to begin with. They lived in the house. Okay, sorry. Wait, I call them my grandparents. They're my great grandparents. They're one of those type of family members that like, you know, I was with them all the time just as much as I was my grandparents. So they're just all kind of on the same playing field for me. But my great grandparents, so Hollis and Dorothy Borland were their names, and they moved here, built on the land that is right across the road from us. Their house is still there today, and my grandma um, was actually instrumental in a whole lot of my getting into flowers as well, too. And so, but then, you know, they had kids, they had three boys. My grandpa's Larry Borland, and he has farmed up until this past year, he retired. He has farmed all of this land all around us for about 50 years. And so farming is kind of in my blood. Now flowers is something that we never, ever, ever thought about, let me tell you. But it's kind of something that I I just had a passion for and stumbled into, I guess. So to go back again, whenever I was about seven years old, my grandma got me a greenhouse. It was a little 8x10 PVC pipe, cute little greenhouse, probably would last in some areas. Did not do the greatest here just because we get some major windstorms and it's all flat land. So that 50 mile per hour wind, you feel it at 
probably 52 miles per hour if it's going 50. So it's kind of brutal on some things. But I set up that little greenhouse. I was seven. It was called Sky Gardens. I called it Sky Gardens. Made business cards. Passed them out. But my grandma was my only customer. So I'd grow tomatoes. And so I grew a lot of tomatoes for her and her only and we also, I did a garden with her. That was how she got me into the greenhouse and everything too. And so then I'd run across the road to my grandma's house and I'd eat them right off her table. So poor grandma didn't get much financially out of this at all, but it lit a fire in me, I guess, that I didn't even know was being lit because I ended up, you know, that blew away eventually. I went to school. I went to college, graduated here in Lubbock too, so not far down the road from where the farm is. It's about 20 minutes to get into Lubbock now, and it just keeps on moving out towards us, so we're getting closer and closer to town every day. But I went over there to LCU, graduated, and my whole plan was to go to law school. And so I was graduating in 2020. I had been working for a wedding planner and at a flower shop in town. And so that's kind of just the setting that I'm sitting there in and then I'm about to graduate. And so I'm working and I'm doing school and March happens of 2020 and they say the testing centers are shut down. You can't take the LSAT. To get into school, which wasn't as big of a deal for my going to school because, you know, they ended up waiving the tests for everybody. Nobody had to take the test. But in order to get good scholarships at that point, you're kind of at the point where, okay, we'll give you some money for school, but not any type of actual like significant scholarship. And so I'd seen my sister-in-law be able to go to Texas Tech, which is also in Lubbock, for a full ride at law school. And I had a good GPA. I knew I could score okay on the test if they'd let me take it. And so I was like, you know what? I do not want to go into debt to just go to school. And so I felt like God kind of closed that door and I didn't really look back on it. Oddly enough, I just kind of let it close, which is kind of hysterical whenever I like look back on it. Cause I'm like, this is all my plan was this whole time. And then here I am just going to let it go. But I was working and we got really busy in the middle of COVID at flower shops because people were sending each other flowers a lot. And Texas is also a really weird state to where I don't think that the COVID restrictions and lockdowns were quite as strict as far as weddings go either. And so we were still running small weddings. And then by the fall, we were running big weddings again. And so we were running like crazy with the flower shop. And I'd see all these flowers come in. And especially being right here in West Texas, we're not close to a coast. And we're not close to really anything that as far as like good floral like be able to get them very quickly can happen and so I'd see things come in and we have to have everything either shipped in on an airplane or we go get it from wholesale which was in town which probably has higher prices than wholesales everywhere else and you know because it has to go through the farm and then probably a, a bigger wholesale joint and then out to our smaller wholesale and so I'd see all these flowers come in and they just weren't a good quality So I was in the middle of 2020, in the middle of March, and the flower shops honestly got a whole lot busier. What we were doing, and you know, Texas is also very different. I feel like 
as far as COVID lockdowns go, like we didn't have large weddings at all, but there were still some small weddings and we had flowers for those. And then by the fall, we were up and running huge weddings again uh, without much restriction. And so we got really busy as people were sending each other flowers during COVID and our weddings didn't really slow down. So I'd be processing flowers. I'd be getting them in. We either get them shipped in or we're not close to a coast or really any good wholesale market being here in Lubbock. There's very little, I guess, in the flower shops that I was working at of like a farm straight to the florist. And so I would see all these flowers come in and I was like, surely we can do better than this. Like, cause the quality was just not all the time there. And so I'd be looking through everything and I'd look at our invoices and I could see that they, they're so expensive, which I was wondering, you know, like at the same time, how much of that expense is because it's had to stop at three different wholesalers before it ever got to us. And so I'd look at the prices and then I'd just Google how to grow larkspur or how to grow ranunculus and just all the way down the list. I knew that like roses were not something I'd be able to commercially grow as a cut flower probably, especially in our climate and conditions that we have. But I'd start researching those and I was like, goodness gracious, this says it can be grown in zone seven. Like, what are we thinking? Why are we not growing any of this stuff at all? I just started thinking about that constantly and as I'd get into each of the flower things and you know at the same time my whole world was crashing down because I'm not able to go to law school and so I'm like what in the world am I gonna do you know we were also we were home I guess with our families a lot too and I guess I really dug in deep to the fact that this is my home and my family is a huge deal to me. I want to raise my kids the same way that I was raised on a farm. And I don't know if cotton is going to be able to survive that just because of the industry and where it's going and the price of the market. And it's so expensive to put the seed even in the ground and then they don't get much out of it at all. And so I was like, surely we can grow something. Like we're going to have to be able to do something. And so I started just really looking into flower farming. And I told my dad, I was like, dad, I want to, I want to make a flower farm. This is someone who's never heard of a flower farm before in his life, in my life. Like we've never heard of these things. And you know, I started researching on Instagram. I find florets. I find a ton of different farms. I'm like, goodness gracious, this is real. Like who would have thought the Arnoskis down in the hills of Texas, like they've been growing for 20 years, I think at that point. I was like, goodness gracious, like we could have been doing this for a long time. Like who would have thought? But I told my dad and he was like, Skylar, we cannot grow flowers here in West Texas. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. We're going to need a greenhouse, a high tunnel something like we've got to get some protection because our springs are brutal as far as like you think of the dust bowl if y'all read about the dust bowl in class that is what some of our springs truly do look horrendous like that especially these past couple of years have been very very bad we just get those brown skies in the spring and so that's why I was I was like you know what dad just give me a year and I promise you like I think we can do this I'm one of those people that kind of dives in with both feet I probably go backwards whatever way gets me totally submerged in the water um, and probably in it for a while that is what I do and my dad knows that, so I don't even know why he said yes. But <laughs> to be fair, he jumped in. I, this sounds like 
I always tell this and it sounds like he like didn't support it, but he did. Like he was in head first as soon as we got going on it too. And so my whole family was. They're they're amazing. They're great. But we got going and spring of 2021, we had two little low tunnels that we put ranunculas and anemones in and they were doing okay, kinda. I mean, ish. It was bad. <laughs> Honestly, the wind was blowing them so bad everywhere, but they were fine um, at the same time. And then we got going on, well, we knew that we'd need a high tunnel, and so we got to doing those. And so really, we just started building these things and started going with it. And then now I look up and I'm like, oh my goodness. Like my sister tells me sometimes, she looks around and she's 13 now, but she's like, wow, Skylar, we actually have a flower farm. I'm like, yeah, I know. I told you we would. So that's kind of how we got totally into flowers. You know what I love about your story is, and I can so relate to this, you know, I came from a background of my family. We're farmers, uh, traditional row crops for multiple generations. And still to this day, like they are bewildered by me growing flowers. Yes. My <laughs> grandpa, he'll like, because we're supposed to harvest cotton in the fall and I'm over here planting things and he just looks at me and like that first year that I did it, he was like, Skylar, these things are not going to be able to make it through the winter. This is insane. Like, what are we doing here? And it's, it's crazy. It's just a whole new world, you know? It really is. It's not like your traditional, like, I've got 100 acres to plow up and plant. It's a totally different ball of wax. But at the same time, you know, my dad was just a small operation. And now, like, looking back, like, what's exciting about you guys and your family is that it offers a diversification to your traditional crops that, like you said, are suffering right now in ag. It's like, like, to be able to raise a field of corn is insanely expensive and the farmer is not making any money or pennies on the dollar and to be able to diversify and bring in a cash crop to the farming operation is brilliant and it also allows the small farms to continue to grow into multiple generations which is really exciting to see that you have brought this new element to your family and like going back to your example of working in the flower shop whenever I want to feel good about myself I will go to the wholesaler and look at the product that's coming in and say wow I cannot believe people are buying this like, I know no. I like do that all the time because <laughs> I'm over there I have to get things you know for other events that I have especially in the winter and things like that and I go and I like look and I'm like I feel like I would never sell this to somebody much less for 10 stems for $23 or something like that. I'm like, goodness gracious, like, this is not even good quality. I feel like as the local flower movement continues to grow, I also feel like folks are getting their eyes open to what flowers should be. Because historically, you know, everybody has that opinion, well, they just die. I get them and they just die. Well, there's a reason for that. They've been on a very, very long journey. Whereas, like, local flowers... I mean, especially if you're, you know, getting it from like your local community, like they are babying, nurturing that flower and it's going from their field to your vase and you get the longevity. So I loved your statement there. It's uh, like I said, I, if I ever need to feel good about myself, I just go check out the product and be like, yeah, I am raising a pretty dang good product. 
Yeah, it also cracks me up whenever people are like, you know, they'll call in one order and they don't know who we are or anything. They just look up florist and they're like, okay, I need a dozen roses. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't do a dozen roses. You know, I feel like our country, like everybody, like just the people have this idea of like, okay, this is what I want whenever I'm getting flowers. And I'm like, I've got something so much better for you. You're just going to have to like trust that you're going to like this so much more than you would a dozen roses that cost you $95 with um, a little bit of greenery in it. You know, like, I promise you, if you gave me the budget of $95 to work with, I'll make you something beautiful. And then they're like, oh, so you grow wildflowers? And I'm like, no, they're not wildflowers. <laughs> so funny. I don't know if that's just a me thing, but I feel like anytime that somebody's like, oh, I'm going to go get some wildflowers from your farm. And I'm like, do you understand? This takes a lot more effort than what I would call a wild flower. Yes, some of them might be technically wildflowers in places like, I don't know, where it rains, but they're not here. So it cracks me up whenever I hear that term. Oh, man, I'm like dying laughing in the background, just muting myself because oh, it's <laughs> one of my biggest pet peeves in life. And I just go right to the throat at like, anybody who <laughs> yeah. says that. Like, actually, I raise specialty cut flowers. <laughs> and let me tell you all about them. And they get an education. Oh, I know. And I think I think they just don't expect us to be able to grow them here locally. Like, it's what I did whenever, you know, I was in the flower shop and had no idea that flower farms existed. Because, you know, I'm clearly I knew knew to an extent that flower farms existed but at the same time like I'm sitting there you know we look at the prices of flowers and I feel like people oftentimes are like flowers are so expensive and you know they do they die of course yeah they die because they're a fresh item but like we don't like really look at the fact like this thing is like having a tomato in the fridge it is literally made for the beauty of the moment and yes if you don't enjoy it while it's there then it's just going to rot away and like that's what's going to happen to that tomato in the fridge too. I don't know. I feel like there's just a whole perspective change that happened in me and I feel like it's happening for everybody who's following along on our journey. They're like, wow, this is real. Um, and one thing that we've done is we've let people like come out to the farm and see it for themselves and they get to see the good and the bad and the ugly and they get to see the beautiful too. You know, like they get to see a lot of beautiful too. But I had a customer who is one of my really good customers and she said she brought her husband out to the farm and she said he loved it. Like he now appreciates so much more just every single flower that goes into that bouquet because he sees like how much work and how hard it was to get to this point that we're at right now. I don't know. I think it's really neat. I think people are able to just have so much more of like a respect and not even just respect, but like really be able to enjoy their flowers whenever they know where they come from. So I, I don't know. I think it's funny because after they get out here, you know, one of the things too is I tell people I grow flowers and nobody does that. So they're like, oh, you grow flowers. And I think they kind of laugh. They probably think that I have a little six by eight foot flower bed um, that I put my little flowers in. And they probably think I'm a really lazy person that just sits on the couch and then goes outside and grows flowers for a couple hours a day. And then they get out here and they're like, oh, you grow flowers. And I'm like, but I wasn't joking, but it's just something that's so hard for people to wrap their minds around. You're so right. 
you nailed everything right there. <laughs> and that's why, you know, I'll see these mixed messages, you know, from those offering their bits of advice like, oh, you nobody cares about you hauling compost. And I beg to differ. Mm-hmm. I have made it my mission to show every step of the way from day one. And I think you're selling a part of you. Literally, your blood, sweat, and tears went into that flower and growing that flower. And they're supporting not only buying a local flower, but they're supporting you. And by seeing this journey that you're on to growing that beautiful bloom, they're invested in you. They're invested in you more than they are those flowers. And so I just always encourage people, share them. Share the whole process. Let's help educate folks. You know, my husband's a Christmas tree farmer and he's always like, oh, that Instagram, like stop putting me on Instagram. I'm like, if nobody understands where your trees are coming from and that you're not only helping feed our family, but the families we hire to do the harvest and all of the maintenance on the trees and then the families we sell our trees to at the tree lots. If nobody Mm -hmm. understands that circle, they're going to go buy that artificial tree. And the Christmas tree industry is dead. Like as farmers, we have to get better at telling our stories, whether you're in flower farming or or corn farming. Like people Mm -hmm. have lost touch with where stuff comes from. And it's I just hope that all flower farmers continue to just share their journey because that's what's going to bring everybody's level of standard up around flowers and they'll be asking for local flowers more. So exactly. Yeah, no, I've even had some of my, you know, recent reels and things that were during the season kind of taken off after the season, which is the annoying thing about Instagram. But also it's like a good thing too, I guess. But I get comments on them a lot nowadays. And it's like, so does this happen now that it's cold? And I'm like, no, it doesn't. But they've been, some of these people have started following my account since then. And they're like, they've messaged and they've been like, wow, I didn't know that like, this is like what all went into growing flour or anything really. And so just them getting to like, learn literally they came across a reel of a pretty flower and they thought oh I like that you know like what is that even from go follow the account and all of a sudden they see me digging in the dirt trying to get all these flowers planted by the time that Thanksgiving happens or by the time out here in the cold like it's just you know all the different things and they're like wow I didn't know that this went into this I can't wait to come and see it it's just a whole whole new world that we're kind of opening people's eyes up to especially through social media which is something that I don't know I have a love-hate relationship with social media just because it's exhausting for me I'm an introvert you wouldn't know it if you got on my social media just because you know we have to share our story I I mean I was telling my mom this the other day we have truly become through Instagram not me specifically but we've become as a population have become our own TV That is truly what it is. And so, you know, if you're not willing to get out there and get on the TV screen, then no one is going to come and see you, you know? Like, that's kind of how we've turned into. Like, you're not following 
I we just always used to watch Disney Channel, you know, watch Hannah Montana all the time. I'm not following Hannah Montana on TV anymore because who has time for that? Instead, we're on our phones and we all have our favorite Instagrammers. I've got people I don't even know. Matt and Abby, they're hilarious. Like all these different things that aren't even like flower farm related. But those are my celebrities at this point in time. But we have like opened up a whole new entertainment industry on our phones. And so if we're not on the Instagram, then that's just that's where we're going to have to be for our businesses, which I think is hard too, because I was thinking about this the other day. This is just my all of my thoughts about Instagram, let me tell you. But being a business on Instagram is even harder, I think, than being an influencer on Instagram. Because yes, you have to be on that all the time, but you also have to be like actually selling your product and actually doing things. And so you can't just be like, oh, here's what I'm eating today. And it's just it's so much more difficult. And so we have quite the challenge in front of us just in, to raise awareness and show people what's going on in real life. It's hard. <laughs> it is hard stuff. Skylar, that is like perfect. And like you said, the attention span of folks too these days is 10 mm-hmm. seconds. <laughs> like they are moving on to the next thing, unfortunately. So it's such an excellent point. And most of us have the phones in our hands. And to your point, being a business owner and still having to try to sell stuff too is I experienced that this summer with just slightly dabbling in like you picks I have a roadside stand and I've been marketing that like on our local Facebook page but the you picks of trying to create this experience and oh my gosh I get so frustrated at times and like trying to tell my family about how this is so annoying I have to be like this marketer this business person this farmer this florist and it's just too much and technology wizard like yes you have to be able to do it all and if you're not what are you even thinking I think too people come across our business Instagram sometime you know and they're like oh this is a business they probably have people for that and I'm like no I don't I don't have people for that like here I am I'm the people I'm gonna go make your wreath really quick and then I've got to answer you and all of the questions that come with whatever it is too And all the questions about how do I plant this right now? There's just a whole lot, you know? So it kind of cracks me up. I can't wait till I have a person to answer all the messages for me. Uh, I say ditto to that. (laughs) With (laughs) that said, tell us, how are you selling your flowers these days? And just your experience with it since the pandemic. I started out doing bouquets, market bouquets, farmer's markets. That was what our main priority was those first two years of 2021 and 2022. And then we are also selling wholesale in United Supermarkets, which is in Market Street, which are the big stores down here, which was crazy. That was a total God thing too. Like he, I don't know how he manages it sometimes because Goodness gracious, we were just going, it was 2021, end of the year, and I was posting some things on Instagram, and the director of floral at Market Street and United reached out to me and was like, hey, have you ever thought about selling wholesale? And I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe in like five to 10 years after I get going, after I know what I'm doing, you know, like we don't even have a high tunnel up at this point. There's nothing there. And there, there we went. 
who would have thought? So I met with him and he was like, yes, we want whatever you can give us. It doesn't matter, you know, exactly how much or huge quantities or anything like that. I just want to buy what you have. And I was like, okay, sign me up, I guess. I kind of scared for this, but we've been going with them. They've been amazing the whole time and we just get them flowers whenever we have them. So there's no kind of contract with them. We don't have to have flowers all the time because we're in a very difficult climate too. And one of those windstorms both years, 2022 and this past year, that we've actually had the tunnels up and running and like things going for the spring. We've had windstorms that have taken the tops off of our tunnels, you know, left us in a place where we're like, okay, are we going to be able to rebuild in time for the fall? Thankfully, we have a long growing season, so we normally are able to pull it around. But you just never know what's going to happen around here. And so they know that too, thankfully. So they've worked with us a lot on that. But we, we started on the farmers markets and that was what we were doing. But then last year, I guess I looked up and I saw the miracle that was sitting in front of us after a very rough year. So last year, we didn't get much rain. It was pretty rough. Like we normally, we don't get a lot of rain around here, but we didn't get any from timber of 21 until August 15th of that. Like we didn't get more than an inch within that time. So we might get like a 10th here, a 10th there, maybe, but it was as dry and barren as I've ever seen anything. And even my grandpa, who has farmed for 50 years, he was like, this is bad. Like, this is not good. And the and the wind just kept on blowing. And so I would water things. I'd try to get things to germinate. And I was not putting enough water in the ground, having it on constantly on those drip lines to be able to get those seeds to germinate. Things like sunflowers, things, all these different things that, you know, would grow once, not do as great. I just kind of let go. All of our dahlias died completely back for the most part. I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep on watering things. I'm going to keep on going and we're going to see if anything will happen. I'm trying to get the zinnias up. We were losing, I think it was an eighth of an inch of water every day in moisture levels and weren't getting anything put back in it. And so it was just, it was rough. But I sat there in September and we had flowers, and it was beautiful. And I was like, I can't show people this and the miracle that this is at a farmer's market. I mean, I can, but I really can't. And so we started inviting people out for you picks, which were about 20 miles outside of town. It's not far at all, especially for me who goes up to Lubbock all the time. But it is a little bit of a drive for people. So my mom and dad, they're like, nobody's coming to come out here, Skylar. Like, what are you thinking? Like, this is crazy. And we had people come. And it was beautiful. And they loved every second of it. And I thought that I couldn't love the farm more. And then I'd hear them talking about it whenever they didn't know that I was walking by in the field. And they were just in love. And it was amazing. And so I kind of thought UPix might be the answer, like a better way for us to show exactly what we're doing here. But I don't know. I just still kind of was like, eh, I don't know. We're still we're going to the farmer's market. We're doing everything that we've done before. I do online sales too. We do a lot of those or on Facebook, you know, I'll post whenever we have bouquets and things like that. So we'll do all that. My brother and sister-in-law had a baby this year. And so they told us they were about to have a baby during the winter. And I looked at them and I was like, yay. But I also kind of panicked in the back of my mind because I was 
like, I want to be able to be a part of everything, but I'm too busy right now, and I'm committed on every Saturday whenever anybody else in my family would ever be able to go because we have farmer's markets, and I just don't want to miss out on any of that, too. And so I went to the farmer's market up until they had their baby. But Saturday is also a really good day for me and my dad to do any work on the farm because he works a full-time job elsewhere. And so if we're going to build high tunnels or do whatever, and I need his help, I need an extra hand, I can't do that just by myself. Saturdays are our our day for that. I don't know. The farmer's market just, I I love them. And I was like, I still want to come. Don't worry. I'm going to be here at least once a month. And then it's just totally drifted away to where like, we're not there anymore. And it's just because we're in a different stage of life and we need to be at other places and I work weddings every Saturday I've been doing that since the flower farm started but I could always go to the farmer's market before but now I'm doing more wedding florals myself too and so those are on Saturdays for the most part and so I've got to do drop-offs before I go work other weddings and all different kinds of things and so at this point I was like okay well Maybe we can also invite people out to the farm, though, too, especially in the fall, whenever our prettiest time of year is. And so we've invited people out to the farm for you picks, which has been so good. People have loved it. And it's amazing. Whenever people love something, they will spread the word about it like wildfire. But that's like that's what it takes is you've got to get people out there and so they are spreading the word like wildfire and it's been so amazing to see all the different people that have come out to the farm we had gone from last year we'd maybe sell I maybe we were selling a case of jars every time that people would come out to the farm we'd have an open farm night and then this year we were selling about three to seven cases of jars depending on the night just that'd be a nightly kind of thing and so I'm hoping we can keep on expanding off of that and really make our fall season beautiful more than anything we had our high tunnel uh you picks we had a couple of those which were good but we hadn't like accounted for needing the space inside the high tunnels for people to put together bouquets and it was really windy outside every time that we'd have a you pick and so um this year i've accounted for that for next year and so we have an area for people to be able to put together their bouquets and so we do a lot of you picks a lot of online sales and not as much of the farmer's market anymore. Just to give you a really long answer to what in the world we're growing. But I just want people, whoever's listening to, to know that it's okay for your season of life to change. And the way that you're trying to sell to change too. Because you're going to have to do what works for you at the end of the day. And like you might not be able to do all the farmer's markets. Because you just can't get to all of them. And that's okay. You can do it a different way. I hope that's a little bit of encouragement to whoever is like, I don't know what I'm going to do because I can't do the farmer's market anymore. Like, you can figure something else out and sell the flowers. I guarantee it. But we would also, I mean, we'd be at the farmer's market and I could have posted a picture on Facebook and said, I have 10 bouquets for sale. And they would have been sold within the hour and it's easy pickup. And then we'd sit at the farmer's market for three hours on some days, you know, depending on the day. And still not have sold those 10 bouquets. And so that was kind of where I was at too. I was like, this is not a good working place for me here. Well, I feel like I have my strong opinions about farmers markets, but there's a delicate dance with all of Mm -hmm. it. And it's really dependent on where you're at, the people within your community and 
what you know is going to be successful for you or not like you said doors open up i'm a true believer that god sprinkles seeds in your life for when they need to bloom they will and so it's okay to pivot it's take it as a lesson learned i learned a ton from going to these farmers market and and going through this experience of like I would sell out to not sell out and you grow from that and you just yes. pivot and change. And so. farmers markets are crazy too. It cracks me up that like that is the main I don't I feel like at least on flower farming side of things that I like learned from or kind of were like looking on Instagram, you know, people would sell at farmers markets. And I don't know if farmers markets are different in other places, but our market is always hot. Flowers don't like the heat. Like that's never a thing. And then you never know like some days it's like you sell out within 30 minutes and you could have brought more than you ever had before. And so then the next week you're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to sell so many bouquets. I'm going to bring them all. I'm going to break my back cutting everything. And then you get to the farmer's market and you sit there and you sit there. Somebody buys a bouquet like every 30 minutes. And then by the end of the thing, you're like, how did this happen? Like we were at this great time last week. We were sold out in 30 minutes. And so I brought just a little bit more or the same amount thinking this is going to go great. And here we are. And I haven't sold anything. And so they're just so weird and they're hot (laughs) and they don't, fires don't like the heat. Uh, I don't know how that became like the main thing for like everybody to, oh, are you going to the farmer's market? And I still get that question all the time. Like, oh, do you sell your flowers at the farmer's market? And I'm like, no, (laughs) I don't. And if you want a bouquet, please let me know and I will be happy to get it for you. But if it sits out there in the sun for too long, it's not going to last as long for you. And I, I want you to have the best quality too. So... I don't know how we got so in love with those farmer's markets. Us flower farmers might need to make a divide. And going back to pivoting, I mean, your grocery account is the perfect way to pivot. They sit Mm -hmm. in a cool grocery store and you're still getting those customers. It's just you might have to do a little bit more social media engagement so that they have that greater connection to your bouquet there at the grocery store. But that way, they're in a cool air-conditioned building and it feels like you have a better selling place they need to be i mean we have a little sticker a qr code sticker says follow our journey on our bouquets that go into the grocery stores and so people can scan that and it takes them straight to our instagram our website all of the above farmers markets i love them and i love the people that are at ours they're just hard they are super hard and just like you said we have a perishable product that does not like the heat and most farmers markets are in the dead of the heat so it's like uh so have you found that you've gotten a lot more customers via your grocery account or have they naturally found you and they're you're growing your customer base via your you pick or what would you say is your most successful business model right now? Yeah, so I think it's the you pick. We're really working to make the farm more beautiful too. And so that's kind of the whole goal as far as the you pick goes right now. But people like whenever people see it, that's whenever they talk about it it seems like and so they can see the flowers in the store that's one thing but seeing the miracle of it out on the farm is really I think what is spreading the word about the farm everywhere and so um we've had people come from Houston which kind of cracks me up or like people follow me on Instagram that are in Oklahoma this lady told me and she goes yeah, my granddaughter found, told me about you. She found you. She doesn't live here. She's the one, the granddaughter lives in Oklahoma and said, 
hey, mom, there's this farm next to you. Like, you need to go out and see what it is. And she just came across my Instagram someday. But it's because of having that open farm aspect to it that I think really brought people into knowing more about it. And even growing of my accounts on social media and things like that. I think they are growing based off of seeing people's experiences here because I think truly more than anything, people are making memories, especially after COVID and everything. They are wanting to make memories and not exactly do like, okay, the here, I want to get you flowers to get you flowers. But if they're like, I, I don't even know if any of those people that come out for the pick. And, you know, that's that's a whole different, there's two different types of people. Some people want it brought to their front door. Some people want it brought. So I want to come out and get it. And we do both. We do subscriptions, too. And so, I mean, we have both aspects of the whole everything. But a whole lot of those people probably wouldn't get the flowers until they came out to the farm. And then they'll message me after and they'll be like, hey, I need a bouquet for this. And I'm like, okay, I can get you a bouquet. And do you want to pick it up at the farm or do you want to pick it up in Lubbock, you know? And so then that's something that's like a whole lot more convenient for them too. But they had to learn about the flowers by coming to the farm first. I think the farm being open has been amazing. My husband always likes to tell me, well, Rochelle, your one person has 10 friends who has 10 friends who has 10 friends and like you said if they're engaging with your farm at the yuca and posting it on instagram the word often spreads really fast in our day and age everybody is all about the instagram moment so if you can <laughs> offer that i think it's a good secret sauce and just a f- take a picture of me here you know like that is all that anybody wants nowadays is I need my picture taken. (laughs) And it's like, okay, we will get your picture taken. You can take as many pictures as you would like to take. Just come out to the farm because that's what they they all want a good place to take a picture. Exactly. So are there any downfalls to the yucca or any like crazy stories you'd like to share? (laughs) We've had a few um, funny ones. I don't know. I feel like people are always more worried about the you picks then because my I was never like oh people are gonna stomp onto my flowers but that was something that a whole lot of people asked me whenever they'd get here and they're like are you not nervous that people are gonna like kill your flowers and I'm like no I really I was not nervous about that at all I just thought I'm gonna get these flowers and they're gonna be fine people are gonna be respectful and for the most part that has been the case like people have been very respectful they go straight their pathways. They don't cut around things too much. Now, as it's grown more, I need to put signs up everywhere that say, do not go <laughs> through the middle of the flowers, walk in the pathways. For the most part, they've been very respectful. We had this one kid and we had this little bitty like pond thing and it had just rained this year. And so it was kind of muddy, kind of full. And he goes and just like sits in the middle of it. And I was like, oh no, these parents are never ever ever gonna bring him back here ever again but he honestly I I think it was a good laugh for everybody and they said that they're coming back so we'll see (laughs) but it is I mean it hasn't been horrible having people out here at all it's been way more of a blessing I think than it has hurt anything plus they're I mean they're cutting zinnias and even dahlias I mean if you think of dahlias they're very beautiful and harder to grow but at the same time they are a cut and come again so they break a stem off I'm just like okay that's okay it'll come back you know if I had like 10 of something you know and I was like please don't touch these 10 things that I have 
that might be different. But I look at everything like, okay, well, I guess that was supposed to happen that way. I don't know. So tell me a little bit about what you're growing and what are your favorites? Oh my goodness, my favorites. Anemones and ranunculus go in the tunnels. And of course, they bloom in the spring. They are my favorite, probably, maybe. I don't know. I try to think about like what my favorite flower even is. And it really is like, I don't have any children. So I don't know this for a fact. But I'm pretty sure it's like picking a favorite child. Because my mom always says that it can't be done. And I didn't really, you know, I guess get that. And then I'm sitting over here and I'm like, oh, maybe this is kind of what it's like. Because this child is beautiful in this season. And this one is beautiful in this season. And I hate it whenever I have to pick <laughs> something else out of it, you know? And so, anemones and ranunculus, they're really our two probably highest end. And then dahlias. I want to grow hydrangeas, panicle hydrangeas more than anything. Like, I want rows of just beautiful limelights. I have got some trialing. And then, of course, peonies. I love peonies. I'm kind of obsessed with them. I'm sure that's not how northern people say peonies or y'all say it peonies right is that right this is the ongoing debate of what do you call whatever my kids laugh now like is it dahlia or dahlia dahlia i don't know i don't know and people tell me like how do you pronounce that like they come up to me like i'm an expert and i'm like you know i really can't tell you like i know how i say it And that's about all that I know, so. I say go with it with confidence and just keep going. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I do. And they're like, oh, how do you, did I pronounce that wrong? And I'm like, no, you didn't. Like, I just don't know how to pronounce it either. So people, whenever they ask me those things, it's so funny. So what is like the popular flowers amongst your you cutters? Are you planting a diversity of colors or have you found that some flowers are more popular or certain colors more popular? Yeah, so I feel like I've seen people and they're like, oh, we're not going to plant that again because I was not touched with our you pick. I honestly could not say the same about anything. Like, I don't know if it's just that West Texas is not a very flowery place and it's not very green and I don't know what it is, but it seems like people love everything. And I plant a whole range of colors, a whole range of everything, really. And so I plant amaranth, cosmos, celosia, marigolds zinnias Uh, that's our main backbone of all of our annuals and that's the main thing that's blooming all fall and so i plant a whole lot of those and then i'll do things like the dahlias of course and then i have a rose garden people love whenever the roses are blooming but they also hate the thorns but that doesn't stop some people but it does stop others you know so i wish i could be like oh this is a clear-cut recipe for how to create a you cut you pick garden um but i don't I, I don't know if it's just here or what but they love the greenery they love the flowers they love everything so um there hasn't been one area that people have just stayed away from which is hilarious to me because i don't know they might have stayed away from the scented geranium that we have that we have growing because I just love the smell of it but my mom loves the smell of it and so she'll walk up to them and be like why do you not have any scented geranium in your vase let me go get you some and then they smell it and then they go back and get more and I'm like I don't know I'm trying to figure out how to narrow some things down so I don't plant all of these things but here they are just loving all of it so it's kind of funny yeah well and to the scented geranium I think people don't know they've never experienced something like that so that could be your mom's primary role at the UCA is education coordinator. 
Let me tell you, it sure is. And she's just like, send a geranium. Why do you not have it? That's awesome. And speaking of your family, so you're doing this mostly yourself, but how are you getting this all done? Is your family helping you out or are you managing most of it? What's your plans for growth in the future? Yeah, so my my grandpa, he's retired now, which has been great. Um, he doesn't know as much about flower farming as he does about cotton farming. And so he'll help me with anything that I need help with um, if it's like a big task. I do all the planting. We've had some homeschool workers that have come out and helped like hoe weeds and do things that I've needed around the farm, which has been really good during the season. And then my 13-year-old sister, she'll help me sometimes with things. My dad helps me build things. My mom, if we have like orders to deliver and stuff, she's really good about helping with that. So it's been like a family affair of just getting things kind of done. And then as far as the future goes, I'd love to really leaning lean into the UPIC side of things. Really lean in more than anything to like, I love America and I love our country. And I hate that we don't have as much as far as like actually knowing where all of our farm, anything comes from. You know, like all of our produce, all of everything. I want to have a little produce pick area even. I want to have a little store that can have meat that's raised right here and and all of the above just going into this main store area. So I guess I just want to, I don't, I just want to do everything really. I even have gone off the rails and been like, I want us to spin our own cotton. Like, I don't know how we haven't done this forever. Like, we need to be spinning our own cotton so we can actually get a fair price for it, which I know would be extremely expensive. Like, you're looking at an extremely expensive t-shirt because literally like, the cotton farmers have not been given a good price, and I, the, I could get on a tangent about the cotton price because I just know so much about it specifically. But like, I just I see so much. I guess that we could go and things we could do with it. And so I'd like to have a little farm store and be able to sell all different kinds of things, really. That's a long explanation again as to what all in the world I want to do. Well, Skylar, I know you like to dive in and I think you can make it possible. And, you know, with the cost of everything being so outrageous and interest rates, like, Mm -hmm. and You know, my experience, my dad retired from farming too, and it was the best day of his life when he hung up his overalls because it wasn't achievable anymore. The cost of fertilizer, all the cogs that went into farming were too expensive. And so if we can bring it back to our local communities more and really get our communities on board with supporting local, number one, it's a better quality product. I always say to my community, when you invest in me, I invest in you. Mm -hmm. I'm spending that dollar that you invest in me in my community. I just sponsored a basketball team. Like I'm investing in my kids. Like I am truly invested in my community. And I just love your vision and I cannot wait to see you expand. And I think uh, it's funny as, you know, farmers daughters it's like a whole revolution of farming is coming and I think flower farmers are paving the way and it's just really exciting to hear your journey as well as so many others and I I hope it's an encouragement to the general ag community to get out there and tell their story and to maybe focus a lot more on local because 
you know, oftentimes they're selling to, like you said, it's like a chain of where their products are going. And every step of the way, the price is increasing to, you know, be able to pay each step. And so it's, I can't wait to see what you do, my friend. Well, thank you. I'm honored I was able to be on today, and I'm sure I just went off on a tangent on so many different things, so here we are, but thank I you love so it. much. Absolutely. Well, before we wrap up, I got a few more questions for you, and yeah. um, I would love to hear if there's been anybody who's been an inspiration to you that you maybe want to give a quick shout out to, or, and we got to ask you your fate. I know we touched highlighted your favorite flower but what are those that you would fire so those two questions and then how can folks follow you someone it's an inspiration to me is my grandpa um and my grandma it cracks me up all the time so that's my great grandma and then my grandpa and all my my family's just the best specifically on them too farming was hard especially back a long time ago and whenever they moved here and they've been through it all (laughs) and so you know they they were on a two-row plow and farming not as much land and actually making a crop and it was it was amazing years and then like just my grandma she got us the tractor that I used today that greenhouse that's kind of where it all started like that was the whole inspiration for all of it so they're absolutely amazing then the flower that I would fire if it's not sunflower steve's sunflowers i'm not about them they're so prickly they hurt whenever you harvest they're just kind of the worst i love them but at the same time like i'm just like if it's not sunflower steve's sunflower then i'm not growing it because they hurt they're just the worst that's kind of how i feel about those and then in order to follow us we have an instagram is sky gardens tx that is a really good way to follow us it has our facebook from there too um our website all the different things and we try to post on everything all the time we i'm saying we my whole team you know that i've got here of me and myself and the posting squad (laughs) so it's kind of crazy all the time but yeah so if you want to follow along on our journey that is normally the best way to do it that's so awesome so do you think are there more local flower farmers popping up in Texas even though everybody thinks it's so hard to grow in Texas? Oh yeah, and Texas I'm telling you is a range of different climates and all the different things and so there are flower farms literally all over especially like the Dallas area and Austin and all the places that it is a little bit prettier um, as far as not getting, it's not as much of a desert climate, I'd say, as what we are here in West Texas. And they're just popping up all over the place. I think we've also inspired a few people around here to maybe start some too. So hopefully we're just getting going on this whole fire farming thing. That is super exciting. I didn't ask you. So we always talk about the weather and pests. And I promise this will be the last one. So what's your major pest there in Texas? Because I know your weather is way too dry and you've got way too much wind. But what what bugs are you like hating on? These little silly worms that are in the zinnias. They kill me. I'm just like, what in the world? But for the most part, since we are so dry and so not like the rain, doesn't come as often like powdery mildew even on zinnias that doesn't really happen which is something that you know like people I feel like are probably like how do you not have powdery mildew on zinnias but we just don't struggle with that because we don't get very much rain so it doesn't like the water's not sitting there on them which is really kind of 
interesting and funny. And so really a whole lot of pests that same way, other than those silly armyworms, they don't come to this area as much. They like to save it for those areas that, you know, y'all get the... We get the wind, y'all get the nasty stuff, I guess. So And and no deer. That's my arch nemesis. Oh no deer. Yep. Ah. No deer. We had rabbits. <laughs> we had rabbits, but then um we got two Great Pyrenees dogs and like our rabbit population has like totally diminished. I don't know if they're just staying away from the farm or what, but we also have coyotes. The two Great Pyrenees is like, even in the droughts, like everything, we have never had a drip line torn up. Like that's like unheard of as far as, I feel like I was very worried about that. But these Great Pyrenees dogs, they've just kept us away from all those too. So yeah, we're really blessed with not, <laughs> with not too much of a hindrance on those fronts, except for whenever the dogs decide to go rolling through the flowers. That's a big, not my favorite days, let me tell you. Uh, um, yeah, this is where uh, everybody's like, what are what's the fishing line i'm like it's to keep my dog out (laughs) yep that is exactly what it is (laughs) it is literally the for the dog because they don't care at all they're just like oh this is my kingdom i'm gonna prance around it which thankfully the two great pyrenees is they have long legs and so they're not really too um, much of a threat to a lot of flowers just because they step right over the top of them but man if they decide to go tumbling through them it gets bad Well, friend, I don't think your law degree is any waste because it will come in handy and you never know. You might decide eventually to become a lawyer for all of us flower farmers, but I'm so excited to see how you grow in the upcoming season. And I just thank you so much, Skylar, for being on the podcast. Is there anything else I didn't ask you that you'd love to share with the audience? I don't think so. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad I could be here. I just want to spend a second to say thank you again to Skylar for such a great conversation. There were so many great pieces in our chat and thank you again Skylar. But a few that I will definitely take home with me is that you don't have to be stuck to one way of selling your flowers. Even if you're seeing it on YouTube or on Instagram or wherever it may be that you need to be selling at a farmer's market or you need to be doing weddings or whatever the model may be. It may not be the right one for you and that's totally okay but it is also okay to try things and to be able to look back at your experience with it and evaluate if you want to do it or not in the future and it's okay to pivot and it's really okay to pivot based on your season of life so if you feel like you want your Saturdays back try something different and skip the farmer's market so thank you again to Skylar and I hope that you guys enjoyed our chat and we'll talk with you again. Take care, my friends. Well, that wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for joining in to the conversation and together all boats will rise and local flowers will be blooming fabulous in all of our communities. So if you are a fellow flower farmer that want to join in on the conversation, please reach out to us to get you scheduled for a podcast episode. And if you're just listening in and enjoy the podcast, please share with your friends, your family, and everybody you know. We really appreciate it. Thank you.